Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me in Psalm 81, and we're going to discuss today the amazing verse 10. We'll jump into it in just a minute. Let me remind you also, as we're starting today, of our upcoming Israel tour in May, May 7th through the 17th, and I want to hear from you. I want you to sign up. I want to see you on the bus, and we're going to go all over Israel and see the best of Israel. Now, this is something that you need to understand of what's going on right now in the nation of Israel. Because of COVID, they were, they were just pretty much locked down and closed for two years. And you wouldn't believe the demand of tourism, of tourists wanting to get back in Israel. It is unprecedented. It's going off the charts. And so um, this tour that we have scheduled, if you've ever wanted to go to Israel, I would highly encourage that you grab this tour with us because it is a hot potato right now. I mean, it's like people all over America, people throughout Europe, other parts of the world are desperately wanting to get back to the Holy Land. And we've got a tour booked and reserved. And I tell you what, when it says the best of Israel, it really is. I think you're going to be stunned about how beautiful the places we go, the meals, the food. It's incredible. I, I think those of you that go, I know what you're going to say. You're going to come back and you're going to say, Pastor Stephen, the Mediterranean food is the best food in the world. <laughs> and it could be. <laughs> it could be. Praise God. Um, but anyhow, get signed up for this tour. Those of you that want to go, the phone number 1-800, and uh, there it is, 1-800-929-4684, option two. Uh, tell the travel agent where you're flying from. Uh, look, you can go on this tour regardless of whether you live in America, UK, Australia, New Zealand, China, or wherever, okay? Just call call them, get booked, okay? Uh, this tour is going to be tremendous. We are going to have so much t time in the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun together, and you're going to love it. If you've never been to Israel before, there's going to be a couple of things that are shocking to you. Number one, you're going to be stunned when you see how developed this nation is probably has the greatest, most advanced air force in the world, definitely has the highest security uh, protocols in the world, and it is the hotbed startup nation of the world, and it is incredible what's going on, and we're going to see the ancient the old, and we're going to see the modern, and you're going to be blessed. So those of you that are wanting to go to Israel, this is a trip of a lifetime. Again, the date's May 7th through the 17th. So we're only like three months out. You need to get signed up, okay? Call that number. Get registered today. Woo! Praise God. I'm checking the... Uh, the, uh, the list of who's on the tour every single day. I want to see your name on there. Praise God. All right. We're again in Psalm 81. Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word, let your word come into us with free entrance. Let there be no religious blockage, no rose-colored glasses. Let your word hit us with its full import and impact, and let it transform us into the life, uh, the, the characteristics, the character, the quality of Jesus. We thank you, Father, 
that we are made in your image and we are your ambassadors on the earth in Jesus name. And we say, amen. Praise God. Psalm 81 verse one, sing aloud to God, our strength, make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. God likes singing. And of course it says, sing aloud. And you may not uh, be ready for the Metropolitan Opera. That's okay. But you need to do your best and just sing to the Lord. You might be at home by yourself or, of course, uh, in a company of believers. We can all sing songs together. But God loves to be worshipped and praised in song. And we are commanded to do that. And what blessing, what, what a river of praise that we get into when we uh, exercise our, our worship and praise of the Lord with a loud voice. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the lute. Blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon. The word trumpet there in Hebrew is the word shofar. For this is a statute for Israel, a law of the God of Jacob. This he established in Joseph as a testimony when he went throughout the land of Egypt when, uh, where I heard a language I did not understand. I removed this shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the baskets. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. Woo, praise God. Hey, that's a great name for your prayer closet, right? Uh, uh, maybe your spouse is saying, where, where are you going? I'm going to my secret place of thunder. That, that, that way they know you're going to your prayer closet, your place of prayer where God speaks. Let me say this also. Um, I do get emails at times about hearing the voice of the Lord. You have to understand that what we would call the audible voice is very, very rare. Sometimes people, because I've shared stories about having heard the audible voice of God, sometimes people think, well, I, I haven't heard that. I guess I need to be hearing that all the time. No, it's very rare. It's very, uh, very ultra high blessing to hear God in like what we would call an audible way. And he does more often, much more often speak in that still small voice but even more often than that, and actually the primary way that God leads all of his children is through the inward witness of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Praise God. So uh, I just wanted to share that we have a lot of young believers, new believers, and it's good to know these things so that you're not um, disappointed or you're not expecting something that would be very, very rare to be a daily or normal type occurrence. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 8. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. We have a lot of that in America uh, today, don't we? Uh, you know, you, if you went back 50 years in time, uh, you could certainly say that America was much more of a Christian nation where we didn't have idols you know, that, that are just made out of a, a brick or wood or stone or something like that. But today we're actually starting to see uh, various forms of idolatry in the real form of statues that people bow down and worship. And a lot of this is, uh, you know, the religious mysticism or the, the religions of the East that have uh, found their way over into America. Nevertheless, I still believe with all of my heart, and I know you do too, that God's purpose and plan for America will be fulfilled, and we're going to see uh, the turn of the tide. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
praise the Lord, out of that uh, fiery furnace, <laughs> out of that place of horrible bondage and captivity. And then the Lord says, open your mouth. By the way, that's really not a suggestion. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't need God to bless me. I'm not asking for anything. Well, what about when he commands? What about when there's a commandment? What about, how about this? When there's actually an anointing of the Spirit, very, very strong to ask. And you're going to tell me you're going to sit there and be quiet? Oh, no. Wow. Uh, while we see scriptures here to, to ask, this is uh, basically asking for, for what would be a desire of your heart. There are times when there can be the presence of the Lord, very strong, like glory moments. And wow, is there ever a time to ask? And there have been a couple times in my life when that presence of the Lord has come and he wanted me to ask for what I wanted. Wow. You must open your mouth. How? Wide. Open your mouth wide. What does God say he will do? He says, I will fill it. Wow. Praise the Lord. Open the mouth wide. What God gives is measured by our capacity to desire and receive it. We, we have a part to play in what God is going to pour out towards us. So today, I want to encourage you to widen your desires and expectations to receive into your life what makes you happy. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, of course, I'm talking about happy in the Lord, blessed in the Lord, not you know, wild cravings of the flesh and stuff like that. We're talking about righteous living. Okay. But even in your righteous living, God made so many good things and so many blessed and wonderful things. And he wants you to open your mouth wide so that he can fill it. The great preacher from England, Charles Spurgeon, many years back said, our cup is small and we blame the fountain. <laughs> wow. That's really good. Our cup is small, but we blame the fountain. Well, if you're coming to a fountain and it's just pouring out gallons and gallons of water, let's not bring a little cup. Let's bring maybe a, uh, uh, several gallons uh, of water, uh, of, or, of jugs that we can fill up with this water. Praise God. So God is ready to fill our mouths and we need to walk in a way where we're walking righteously so that this blessing can flow. There is a flow in the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, where you could wake up and you may have your itinerary. You could look at your daily planner and you could see this, this, and this is on the calendar. And sometimes God can step in in such a way that he overrides things because he wants to deposit a blessing into your life. And when that happens, I've always learned just go with it. And sometimes it doesn't make any sense because you may think, well, um, I'm just here maybe to uh, grab something uh, small that costs $10 and then get out of here. But the next thing you know, maybe the owner of the store, because I've had stuff like this happen to me, the owner of the store just starts talking for no reason. Maybe the person's not even a nice guy. Maybe he's a real hard businessman, but does something like, you know, and I, uh, does something like this. You know what? I don't know why I'm doing this, but, um, I saw you walk by the, that and you, know, you looked at it. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give that to you for, I'm going to make a deal that you can't refuse. 
And uh, I've had things like that happen to me before. Uh, and uh, later, Kelly would tell me, you know, that guy was a pretty tough guy. I said, I know that adds to the miracle nature of it, that somebody like that who's a real grinder, a real penny pincher, would do something like that? It's crazy. doesn't make any sense. But the Holy Spirit can do some things to touch the hearts of some people, and they may not even know why they're doing it, but God is working through them, and it may only last for 30 minutes, and then it's off of them, and uh, that was it, maybe for the rest of their life. But a blessing was released to you. So that's why also we pray and fast to get an edge on that sensitivity of the Spirit. By the way, I know many of you are fasting right now. I completed my 21-day fast and then tagged a few more extra days onto that on day number 24. Uh, the Holy Spirit said, you can pull the ship into the harbor. Woo, praise God. So I did. And uh, so I had a small meal, but the Lord has blessed that. I know He's blessing you as you're seeking the Lord. Continue on and follow the grace and leading of the Holy Spirit. If you commit a time to the Lord that you're endeavoring to go to. Keep that in your heart and trust God to complete your time of consecration and God will speak to you and carry you through also. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the Lord said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You know, God wants you to have the best. I'm not telling you that you have to have luxury items all lined up because sometimes luxury items aren't the best. <laughs> it is very, very true that the luxury items are made by bulk manufacturers and the bulk manufacturers, whether it's t-shirts or clothes or sunglasses, they are all made by a primary manufacturer. And when the manufacturer is producing the lower end versions for Walmart, they pop those out and stick a certain brand and a certain price tag associated with that. And the same product, same material, maybe with just a tiny, tiny bit more attention to detail, gets popped out with another logo on it and the price raised 400%. And that's the one put in the, in the luxury store. And it was made by the same person that made the product that goes in the Walmart and Target. And that is the truth. So uh, luxury does not always mean the best. Mm -mm. But God wants you to have the best in the sense of what fits you and the needs that you have. Mm. Wow. Praise God. Praise the Lord. One time a person asked me, Pastor Stephen, how come you don't drive this type of car? And he named a luxury car. I said, well... I said, first of all, it's not that I wouldn't drive one, but where, where are you going to take that car around here when you have a problem? And of course, that car was known as a maintenance money pit. Buy it brand new within weeks. You're going to be back at that dealership <laughs> having to have work done on it because they break down all the time. And uh, so just because it's luxury doesn't mean that's the best fit because, matter of fact, the closest dealership for me that even sells that model of a car uh, is about two hours from here. So what's going to happen to me if I buy that thing and it breaks down here? And they're two hours away to the nearest dealership. So, yeah, so the best is what fits you for who you are, where you're at, and also what you like. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Amen. Glory to God. So God wants to bring into your life. He wants to fill your mouth with those things that deeply satisfy 
your inner person, your inner being. Praise God. Now let's move on. Verse 11. But my people would not heed my voice. Well, now we have a problem because of not obeying the voice of God. And anytime you see the scriptures, the scriptures uh, are the word of God in a sense that is the voice of God. So we need to obey what's in the Bible. I pointed out to a preacher one time, something that he was trying to ignore. And I just opened up the Bible to a certain scripture and showed it to him. And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm pretending that's not in there. <laughs> Woo! Well, when you do things like that, there will be an area where if you're compromised in a certain area, um, it's almost like you're, you're telling the Lord, Lord, in this area, I'm embarrassed of you. So the Lord will be ashamed of that person in that area. So there was a certain blessing that will not be allowed to come in. It will not intrude in. It's not allowed to go in. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Now, I do get a lot of emails from uh, hungry believers that are trying to get this walk of victory figured out. And they ask me, Pastor Stephen, um, uh, and you know, some of these people I've never met, um, you know, they, they watch me on these programs and things like that, but I, I haven't met them. So I don't know them personally. And they're, and so they're asking, where am I missing it at? <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea, <laughs> but here's one thing I do know. Walking this walk of victory, it takes, uh, what I would call a package deal. In other words, you can't just have it together in one area of your life. You have to pull the whole thing together and you have to, you have to pull the slack out of the various areas of your life. If you see compromise over here, you have to fix that. You have to pull it together so that you have spiritual symmetry. I'm, I don't promote bodybuilding or, you know, these, um, uh, physique contests, but I will, I will use one as maybe a very generalized example. Uh, you could have, like, if you're a guy, you could have like your arms built up really big and maybe your chest built up really big. But if you have real skinny legs, you're never going to win any competition. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was young, would always pose in the water from knees up. You couldn't see uh, from the knees and below. Why? Because he had real skinny calves and he knew that and he didn't want anybody to see his calves. As a matter of fact, there was a pastor in South Africa, Ray McCauley, uh, who has a very large church in Johannesburg that, uh, and he was a former uh, bodybuilder back in that era also that told uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, hey, you're going to have to fix those calves. And he was like, I don't know how. And he said, well, I know how. You're going to come over to my house. And I'm going to show you how we're going to fix the calves. And he fixed the calf problem. But it's, it's like in our lives, we have to pull this together. Sometimes people, they're saying, Pastor Stephen, I don't understand why I'm not prospering. I, I tithe, I give offerings. Well, I can't look into everybody's life. It could be maybe that you're, you're uh, wasting money. Maybe you're not saving any money. Maybe you're taking money that you could have put into an investment and you went out and bought another silly item with it. And so sometimes people have these, 
these habits or idiosyncrasies were, uh, maybe they were raised like that, but you're going to have to overcome those by pulling this together. Your life as a package deal where you're solid in the Lord. And when you do things, just start clicking. The, the anointing starts working. Now God can pour into you without it going right through empty pockets and falling out on the floor. Woo. Praise God. You know, if we have a mess with a small amount, then we're only going to have a mess if we were given a larger amount. So we have to be responsible in these areas. Um, uh, prophet William Branham back in the fifties healing revival stood at the forefront of the, not only of the healing re revival, but pretty much of the worldwide, uh, global Christian movement. He was, he had the largest crowds. He had the most unique, outrageous anointing. Uh, but, uh, with, with the ministry like that, uh, tons and tons of money, it, it's going to pour in. And it did. And he was a very humble man, had no interest in money, just, uh, wanted to live a, uh, ultra simple life, but still all of that money is pouring in. And it was mis it was mismanaged by his managerial team. Taxes were not paid on, uh, personal monies that were dealt out. And uh, it was a real mess eventually. And they got, got in trouble with the IRS and stuff like that. So if you want to keep the flow going and even uh, not only get into the blessing, but see sustainment and, and, you know, just keep this thing going until the Lord comes back, you have to pull these things together. Praise God. Sometimes I get uh, emails, Pastor Stephen, I'm having really uh, uh, bad sexual dreams at night. Well, are you, what kind of movies are you watching? What kind of TV shows are you watching? What are you looking at on, on the internet? And things like that. Uh, so there are fixes for all of these things, but we have to pull it together so that we can honor the Lord. But it says here that Israel would... Um, would walk in my ways. And God said, I would soon subdue their enemies. So here's, here's an amazing promise. If you will do your best to pull it together and, um, you know, start cutting things off to the enemy that were previous inroads, God says, I will soon subdue your enemies. God doesn't need three months to pull you out. God doesn't need three years. He doesn't even need 30 days. God can start working immediately. And you, he will start bringing you out immediately. The first thing he will do, he'll show you what to do. <laughs> because you might think, oh, it's over with. Why even try? No, no, it's not. There's maybe a phone call you can make to get an extension. Maybe there's something where they could uh, back off the deadline a little bit or whatever. It is. And God will say, uh, reduce this down and build this up or drop this or whatever it might be. Or uh, he, he's got a million ways to move you forward and to bless you and to get you on the solid ground so that he can pour blessing into you so that you can be a tremendous blessing. Now, let me say this. God would like every single believer that's watching me right now to be a millionaire. Okay. That's no big deal for, for, uh, for the Lord to do. And it's not like a million dollars in today's world is going to, um, uh, shake any nations. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we could, we could certainly touch some nations with things like that, but a million dollars in, in the uh, world in which we live today, uh, that's not going to turn the world upside down. But here's what I would also say. Not only would God, of course, like for you to be a millionaire, but here's something even greater that I would say that if you're looking at increase, I would think of it like this. God, it's not so much that I want to be a million, millionaire as it is I want to be able to give a million dollars. Okay. Now, if you have a mindset like that and a heart like that, 
I think you're going to be able to grab God's attention. God, I want to be able to give a million dollars, perhaps like over the next 20 years or whatever it might be, but that you can say, I did it, praise God. And then you have a more noble goal and God will bless you so that you can be a blessing. And that's a lot better to be able to give a million. Woo, praise God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go just a little bit further in this, in this psalm. I would soon subdue their enemies. I want you to expect sudden, complete walking out of any shackles or chains that the enemy has tried to hold you back with, whether it's depression, whether it's lack, not having enough, enough money. L- look, uh, there are scriptures, not just one or two vague scriptures. There are scriptures all through the Bible about the transfer of wealth in, uh, in the end times. And I know that many of these very evil people that have billions and billions of dollars locked away, they think they have it locked away and uh, nobody can touch it. But God is going to drain those reserves eventually, and he's going to move them into the hands of his people for the preaching of the gospel globally. Hallelujah. And that is going to happen. So you need to, as we would say, have your ducks in order because God wants to pour into you. Open your mouth wide with expectancy for God to bless you in the way that he has uh, assigned you a, an agenda and a plan of things to do and to accomplish along with the things that make your heart happy. And he's going to do it. Yes, he is. Praise God. Verse 15, the haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat. That's his people. He would have fed them with the finest of wheat. Now we know that they didn't believe in him. They didn't have faith. They didn't trust God. They continually uh, romanced idols and other false gods. But the Lord said that he would have fed them also with the finest of wheat. God not only wants to feed you, Look, I'm telling you today that God wants you to have the best. God not only wants to feed you, but get ready for this. He wants to feed you with the finest of wheat. Mm-hmm. Whoo, glory to God. Now, there are actually in the world six primary types of wheat. There is, uh, uh, number one, there is hard red winter wheat. That's primarily used in things like Asian noodles. For each different type of wheat, different types of breads are made out of that. So we have hard red winter wheat for things like Asian noodles. Then we have soft red winter wheat for things like cookies and crackers. And then we have hard red spring wheat, which is what most really good, uh, I would say, higher-end pizzerias use. Woo! How many can say amen to that? Praise God. And then we have hard white wheat. Then we have soft white wheat for things like cakes, pastries. And then number six, we have the best. Many consider the best, which is durum wheat. Um, If you take like a really uh, high-end spaghetti, like an Italian spaghetti, and you take it out of the box and you break it, it's got that real tight snap, that's durum wheat. That is the best. And it says here that God said he would have fed them also with the finest of wheat. See, there's other things you could eat. I mean, you could eat barley, but you actually would use the barley to feed your animals. You could make barley cakes and things like that. It's pretty rugged, but a lot of roughage and um, not too easy on the stomach. 
So God wants you to have the good of the land. And with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. Woo, God wants to satisfy you with good things that make you happy because God is a good God. He wants you to serve him, give him your very best, have his heart, have his agenda. He will bring his very best into your life. And he knows just what you like. He knows what makes you happy. He knows what you think about. Mm-mm. Praise God. Let's look just for a moment. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. God wants you to be prosperous. Yes. Brand me, um, identified me as a prosperity preacher. I have lived literally, I'm not being metaphorical. I have lived before in a cardboard box. I have been homeless before. I disavow poverty. I will stand on the highest mountain of this world. If somebody takes me up there and gives me an oxygen mask and I'll take it off just for a moment and I will proclaim that poverty is a curse. Poverty is from Satan. Poverty is awful. Mm, 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 mm. Praise God. So God lifted me out of all of that mess. I, I shared about that in one of my books about my testimony. Uh, it's in the book, called the sacred anointing where I share my testimony and the crazy stuff that God brought me out of when the enemy brought a very deceitful, tricky, but also t- terrific, uh, uh, t- attack against my life. And I did not have enough scripture to defend myself from the deceitful lies that he told me. And it got me in a real, uh, a real pickle. Mm-mm. But God wants you to have a prosperous way. God wants you to have prosperity. And then you will also, it says, have good success. Good success. Praise God. Now here is a uh, important area that we need to look at. It says that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So we have to observe all that's written in the book of God. And that word observe in the Hebrew is the word Uh, excuse me, it's the word that means to hedge about as with thorns. It's like uh, your mind and your thinking process. You are going to build a hedge of thorns around your thought life to protect the way you think. And that hedge of thorns is actually the scriptures and the word of God. So it means to hedge about as with thorns. It means to keep, to observe and preserve. And one of the examples in the Bible uh, where this word is another in another place where it's used, it means to take charge over a garden. So we have a garden and uh, all of the cute little animals, they look really cute, but they want to eat everything in your garden. The deer are looking at the green leaves. And all of these other little uh, animals want to dig it up and eat your radishes, your radishes and your turnips and your cantaloupe and whatever it might be. And if you don't keep them out, they're going to destroy your garden. So you have to put a hedge around it and you have to do the same thing with your thought life and you guard it with the word of God, building a moat, a hedge around your thought life. Why? So that you come into prosperity and that you come into good success. Look, I grew up in a church that uh, we could get you saved. The preacher could preach the message of salvation. But I'll tell you this, 
if, uh, for example, let's say we had a, would have had a guest preacher come in. Uh, and remember, this is like a backwoods country church. But if we would have had a guest preacher come in and he would have stood up and read from Joshua chapter one, verse eight, and said that God wants you to have prosperity and good success. I think, I think probably the church, probably about 80% of the church would have risen up, grabbed a hold of him, taken him out to the nearest cliff and would have tried to have thrown him off of it, just like they wanted to do to Jesus there in Nazareth. <laughs> Pastor Steve, you can't be serious. I'm, I'm a hundred percent serious. This was, a, this was a pastor, God bless him, that would stand up and say, now we don't believe in tithing around here because that was under the law. Uh, and uh, I mean, you're talking about a man like shooting himself in the foot with a self-inflicted wound. And not only is he suffering financially, the whole church were all suffering financially. And uh, of course, he never even understood that when Abraham was tithing. He was not under the law. He was doing it out of love and faith. So, <laughs> but you know, it's all water under the bridge, praise God. But we learn and we get understanding and we step into the things of God and we guard our minds. Woo, praise God, because look, you are coming into some things this year uh, and some of them are going to flow in. I'm telling you, some of these things, they're not even God's, it's like he's almost hidden them so that the enemy couldn't maybe uh, try to do um, blockages. God's going to do like a sudden flow where a blessing comes in in one day. And the next thing you know, it's like, like it just dropped into your lap and it's already done. Devil can't do anything about it. The blessing is secured. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, like what? Well, how about like this one? Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord, your God brings you into the land of which you swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities, which you did not build. So they're going into these large and beautiful cities, not old broken down cities that are burned out, uh, all graffitied up windows with glass busted out. And they're just being used as crack houses. No, they're large and beautiful cities, which you did not build. And so in, in these places, there's large and beautiful homes. Okay. And it says houses full of all good things, which you did not feel. So they're filled with, um, everything fully stocked. Uh, the largest, the best TVs, uh, the best, uh, kitchen appliances and the top of the line HVAC system, the whole nine yards. Houses full of all good things, which you did not feel. Hewn out wells, which you did not dig. Those are called modern day swimming pools. Woo, praise God. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, what do we need a swimming pool for? How about to baptize all these um, new Christian converts? Hmm? Pastor Stephen, what do I need a big house for? How about so you can have at-home Bible studies? Maybe God wants you to start a church in your home. Woo, praise God. Amen. You just turn me on and you, uh, Pastor, I, know, I don't know what to teach. Well, just turn me on. Amen. Just say, now we're, today we're going to listen to Pastor Stephen. Then we're going to study about what he talked about. Amen. Praise God. We'll help you get up and get going. Absolutely. Glory to God. By the way, did you know what is the fastest growing segment today within the global body of Christ? It's house churches. It's house churches. They are growing faster than any other um, 
form of church growth on the planet. Mm-mm. Praise God. So you probably need a big house and you probably need, as it says here, it says, let me jump back over here. It says, wells, which you did not dig. That means you need a swimming pool so that you can get them water baptized. I might have to get one too. Now we do have the Moravian Falls waterfall. So everybody wants to get baptized in the waterfall. Sure, we can go there. We can do that. (laughs) But you might not have a waterfall within one mile of your location. Okay, so you may need to have a swimming pool. Certainly what would also be nice in the winter, praise God. Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full. God wants to bless you. Praise the Lord. How about this in Psalm 112? I know that you are familiar with this verse, uh, verse 1 through 3. Praise the Lord, or in other words, hallelujah. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. In other words, the one who walks in righteousness, who believes in clean living. As even the Apostle Peter, uh, quoting from the Old Testament, said, uh, you know, speaking on behalf of the Lord, said, Be holy as I am holy. Praise God. All right, verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 9, he is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Yes, make a million, but better yet, trust God to be able to give a million so that it's so that you walk in verse nine, you disperse abroad, you give to the poor, praise the Lord, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, back to verse three, wealth and riches will be in his house. God would like for you to have your own house. Now, some of you do. And if you have your own house, then God wants you to have wealth and riches in it. Praise God. And also if If you don't own your own home, God would like for you to have your own home. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's going to make a way. God is going to make a way. And then you will have wealth and riches in your house. I heard a, um, let's go to Mark chapter two. I heard a theologian, kind of like a real um, pansy type theologian, like a real liberal, a real apologizer for what the Bible has to say and one of those that's always looking for excuses of why this couldn't be true or why maybe this is allegorical or something like that. And somebody asked him a question, did Jesus, but see, he was a very high educated theologian, you know, all the THD, PhD, all of that. But somebody asked him, did Jesus actually have a house? And they cornered him. And he was, he was a scholar in Greek and, uh, it was very interesting what he said. Let me talk about that in just a moment. Let's take a look at it. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum. Where did Jesus have his ministry headquarters? He moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. That's where he set up his international ministry at. Hallelujah. Primarily, of course, to the Jews there in Israel, but he did cross the border and, uh, you know, and he did reach beyond that at special moments. So it says he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. He's back. He's in the house. Whose house? Whose house is he in? And a lot of, a lot of uh, poverty preaching ministers start scrambling. Oh, 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 he, he must have been in Peter's house. 
Uh, Peter had a house in Capernaum, and today they're pretty sure where that house is at, but it appears that the only reason Peter had a house in Capernaum is because he moved there because Jesus moved there. And because he's working for the Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association, uh, he should move to where his work is now at. That's why Peter got a house there in Capernaum also. But Jesus had his own house. And they heard he was in the house. Whose house? And this theologian said in the Greek, the emphasis is strongly implying. I mean, it's, it's like all arrows are pointing that, that this is identifying Jesus as the owner of this house. Wow. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. You need a, you need a good-sized house to fit everybody in. You need a big living room for those Bible studies. Not even near the door. And he did what? He preached the word to them. Wow. Had a big group, didn't he? Amen. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. You know the story. Took the, they took a, a section of the roof off. And Jesus just kept right on preaching and teaching. He's not concerned about it. I mean, this is the home of the master. Uh, and, and again, he's more than a carpenter. That word, uh, when, it, you know, when we say he was a carpenter, that word could be better translated. He was an architect. He had knowledge and skill in building. So, and yes, he understood carpentry also. But the roof, he's like, no, that's no big deal. I'm not even stopping my preaching. That's, that's an easy fix. <laughs> Praise God. Now, I truly believe he'd hung up the hammer and the nails and uh, wasn't working with wood anymore. But um, he, he still, I mean, he would know people, hey, take care of this for me. You know, that's, that's easy stuff to do. But that's his house. That is his house. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 9 Luke chapter 9, verse 57, a misunderstanding of this has kept a lot of people perpetually locked in apartment living, excusing away the fact that they could own a home by saying, well, I can never get the down payment for that. God can help you get the down payment. God can help you. Uh, he can help you with creative financing. He can help you get into a home. God can help you to do that, but you have to believe that he can. You have to open your mouth wide so that he can fill it. Praise God. If you can't open it that wide, at least open it wide enough for a, for a, a 1,500 square foot or 2,000 square foot home. At least open it wide enough to get a home. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Verse 57 now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And, oh, religion loves the quote verse 58. Did you ever notice the preachers that quote, that quote verse, verse 58, they all have a house? Did you ever notice that? They're going to tell you you're not supposed to have one, but they all have one. They preach this message on Sunday from their pulpits across America that we shouldn't own things and Jesus didn't own a home and uh, we shouldn't own home. Then they're going to go right home after, after they have their Sunday meal. They're going to go to their home <laughs> while they encourage you to live in an apartment. Woo! And Jesus said to them, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And so that's been quoted all over the place, and people think, well, Jesus didn't have a home, and 
We shouldn't have a home either. We should just, uh, we shouldn't even live in a, apartments. Maybe we should have just a big commune somewhere and share everything, share the meatloaf and uh, share the dishwashing detergent, share the toilet too. Well, uh, no, they, they had their own homes. Praise the Lord. And this, this misunderstanding here came by lifting a statement of the Lord out of context. What actually is the context? The village that he was going to go in and preach at said, no, we don't want you coming in. And so they blocked him. So what happens when, you know, it's getting evening and they say you can't come in and they don't want you in. So you shake the dust off your sandals and you turn around and go somewhere else and the next city's 15 miles away and it's getting dark. What happens? There's no Holiday Inn back then. There's no Hilton Hotel, no Hyatt Regency. So what do you do? Well, you uh, you unroll the sleeping bag or whatever the case might be. And for in situations like that, yeah, foxes have holes, birds of the air uh, have some nests. But right now, fellas, it looks like we're stuck. And that's part of soldiering on. And I've had my times of uh, sleeping in airports, uh, sleeping in rooms with uh, insects crawling all over the walls, And a lot of them, I didn't even know what they were. Some of them were that big and they were some serious creepy crawlers and, uh, have gone through a lot to preach the gospel all over this big blue, beautiful planet. But that doesn't mean I'm always staying in a place like that. Most of the time it's a, uh, it's a good hotel. Praise the Lord. But look at verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him. Well, let me jump up. Uh, well, no, that's good. Let me start again. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So this village blocks out his lead team that sets meetings up, blocks Jesus out also and the rest of his team. And so, um, you know, back in those days, they closed the gates at night. They closed the city gates. And if you're out, you're out in the country, no street lights, nothing like that. So that's where that's at. But remember, he was an itinerant minister going all over different parts of Israel. But that doesn't mean he didn't have a house when he went back to Capernaum. When that tour was completed and he's taking a little break, he's back home. He's back home. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. What about John chapter 1? This is very interesting here. Let's take a look at that just for a moment. God wants you to open your mouth wide with expectation so that he can fill it with, with the wonderful blessing that, that uniquely he wants to give to you. And then you can be a blessing to others. Praise the Lord. John one verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the lamb of God. Wow. I mean, John's disciples were like, Ooh, that's him. John's like, yep, that's the one right there. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where 
Are you staying? He said to them, come and see. Now, think about this just for a moment. They asked him, a couple of John's disciples who are now, they're like, we're committing ourselves to this man that is the Messiah, the Redeemer and Savior of Israel. We're first ones on the ship. We, we are in. This is like getting on a, on a uh, mega stock that's still at the ground floor level. We're going to get in right now. And they say, um, Lord, uh, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. Could you imagine Jesus leading them over to a, a uh, dumpster somewhere and then pushing the dumpster back and there up against the wall, there's a couple sleeping bags. And he says, man, this is where I'm staying and welcome to your new home. Every night they throw the food uh, leftovers into this dumpster. We get to uh, sort through that and find ourselves something to eat and get ready to rough it because you're running with me now. I tell you, they probably would have said, well, we do know that under the word of God, according to the law, according to the teachings that Moses received, poverty is a curse. And uh, the curse is a product of sin. So if we're supposed to dive into poverty and uh, uh, something's not adding up here, and they would probably think this is a very strange uh, savior that we're supposed to follow. But my friends, that wasn't the case. He said to them, come and see. Now watch this. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. They came into where he was staying. This was his home. This is where he's staying at. Woo, praise the Lord. I, um, I had to go by the home of a, of a brother-in-law. I've got many, so nobody knows which one it was. I had to go by the home of a brother-in-law to pick up something that the sister-in-law was giving to my wife. So I drive by the home, get out of my vehicle and knock on his door. And he hands me something uh, that I'm supposed to deliver to my wife. Uh, and so I'm just, uh, just talking to him a little bit. He's a Christian man. And uh, while we're talking out by his, you know, by his front door, a car, because uh, he lived by the end of a, certain cul-de-sac, a car kind of does a turnaround in the cul-de-sac, and it happens to be a couple people from his church. And they rolled the window down. It was a husband and wife. They said, hey, they said, is this your house? He said, yeah, this is my house. And I thought, you liar, you liar. This is not your house. You're renting this home because I knew he was renting it. I actually knew who he was renting it to. And he stood there with a bald face light and said, yes, this is my home. This is my home and gave the, like, um, uh, how can I say, the, the look or the appearance like he was the owner of this home. And they were like, wow. And this, you know, this certain family member always had, a, had a, an Achilles heel in this area, always wanting to have people's uh, approval and, you know, stuff like that. So a, a lot of times you, you get into exaggerating, and exaggeration is a lie, and doing things like that. So anyhow, so, um, but can you imagine Jesus doing something like that? Those two men come up to Jesus. Jesus, where do you live? Come over here, I'll show you. And he goes and shows them a house that Peter or John owns and says, I'm living right here. And they'd be thinking, you are, though, that's, that's Peter's house. No, my friends, that's the Lord's house. That's where Jesus lived. Praise God. And God wants you to open your mouth wide, and he wants to bless you with a really good blessing. 
and God wants you to have your own home. Maybe you already have your own home, but God would like to, uh, to add some accessories to bless you and also something that when others come over are conducive to uh, conversing about the things of God for having a Bible study, maybe for singing. Praise the Lord. We have a music room, so if we want to go in there, we sing in our music room, worship the Lord in the music room. Praise God. Hallelujah. One more scripture today. Isaiah 1. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 1 and verse 19. If, so the word if denotes there are conditions, and that we know those are conditions that we want to as we saw in Joshua 1.8, give diligent heed to the Word of God. In other words, study the fine print. And that has a lot to do with understanding. There is the spirit of understanding. Because you can read something and not really grasp the weight or, or the importance of what God is trying to convey here. So he's trying to say, if you do this, it's going to work really, really good for you. But if you don't and you do the wrong thing, this is, this is not going to turn out good. And I, I used to think that wisdom is the ability to anticipate a consequence. But I actually think that fits the definition better of understanding. Understanding is knowing why we do this. Now, we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. But understanding is why. Because we understand that if we do this, this works. But we understand that if we're crooked and we cheat, and we cheat on our taxes, or we lie, or we swindle people, or do under-the-table uh, shady deals, or do unethical things, this is not going to go well. And we're not going to do that. But we have understanding of why that doesn't work, and we have understanding of why this does. That's why sometimes when I'm talking to people, and they tell me what their plan is, Sometimes I just interrupt them and I tell them, that's not going to work. Well, how come? Because it's, it's morally wrong, it's ethically wrong, and you don't care. <laughs> you're only thinking about how you could maybe uh, get an advantage out of this, but you're hurting people, undermining people, and it's crooked to the core. God will never bless it. So even if you get something, it's going to be stripped, plundered, robbed, stolen from you because you took it from them that way. So... um Wow, I don't, I don't associate with people that do things like that or stuff like that. Woo, praise God. Amen. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Again, God wants you to have the good of the land, and that, that's going to apply to kind of what your likes and what your interests are, but he wants you to have good in that area, okay? He wants you to have the finest of the wheat, he wants you to open your mouth wide, and he wants to fill it with good things. God is a very, very good God, and he's going to bless you really, really good this year. You know, I just felt in my heart to talk a little bit today about the houses, because I believe there's going to be home miracles, and I believe, I believe there's going to be home miracles this year where homes are paid off, debt, freedom, in the name of Jesus, and the biggest the biggest debt that most people have would be their home mortgage. But I believe that God is doing money miracles, financial miracles, and even this year, homes are going to be completely paid off to the glory of God. Now, if you believe you received that, lift your hands and say, so be it. Amen.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In these areas, we have to be able to, by faith, open our mouth wide so that we can receive the blessing that God wants us to have. I believe God can really pour it out. So I believe that we need to have a, a good expectancy of our um, maximum level to receive and be ready to um, uh, take, uh, take and receive that in from the Lord. Praise God. Now, please lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I ask that you bless them and strengthen them today. And I pray, Father God, that they, by faith, that they will open their mouth and that you will fill it, that they will believe and understand that you are a good God, that you bless your people with homes and vehicles and clothes, and that their children can be clothed with very good clothes and that every need can be met. And Father God, that we can extend meals and food into the lives of the needy, and we can be a blessing everywhere we go, not only in this nation, but also even abroad. Thank you, Father God, for your blessing upon us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, eternal life can only be found in Him. And the Lord wants you to know that even if you have wealth and riches, without Him, you are lost in your sins and you are separated from the life of God. And you know that. And you know that. So you need to be willing to give your life to the Lord and follow Him at all cost. And God will receive you and take you today as His own child. So those of you that are ready to pray that prayer, I want you to pray it. And along with any former Christian who has backslidden and turned away from God, today is your day to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want you to pray this prayer also as we now pray. Please pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I fully give you my life. I repent and turn from all of my sin. Jesus, save me now. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Cleanse me and save me. Thank you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. And step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen, and amen, and amen. Woo, praise God, praise God, praise the Lord. I, I feel there's like a rich young ruler watching me, but you're not young, you're older, uh, and you don't know the Lord, and you, but you're, you're still right here fighting this thing because you have a lot of money. But the rich young ruler trusted in his riches, there's nothing wrong with wealth, and there's nothing wrong with riches. God gives the power to get wealth, so there's nothing wrong with it, or else He wouldn't give you the power to get it. But He doesn't want you to trust it. He wants you to trust Him. So that's where the battle is at for many. But I'm praying for this person right now that you will surrender your heart to the Lord. Surrender your heart to the Lord. The Lord will save you. He'll save you. He's not asking you to give everything away. He's not asking you to do that, but He is asking you to completely trust Him, completely, and follow Him, and follow Him. Praise God. Praise God. So come on in right now. Come on in. 
Accept Jesus into your heart. Say, Jesus, I surrender. Save me now. In your name I pray. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Amen. We're fighting for souls today. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord is good. Well, I would like for us to take Holy Communion today. So grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise God. You don't have to have an olive wood cup from Bethlehem like I do. You can grab a plastic cup if you want. Uh, I use these little wafers that I buy online from Christian bookstores. But if you don't have these, you can grab a little cracker or piece of bread or whatever you have. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it and we set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that Jesus, while he hung on the cross, he bore our sin so that we could receive his righteousness. There was an exchange. We thank you for that. But we also know that he bore our poverty. He bore every curse of the law. He bore homosexuality upon himself. He bore lesbianism. He bore pedophilia. Father, we thank you that Jesus bore even, he bore unspeakable things. But within our heart, we know that can, they can be confessed. Uh, even in some place, there are some things that would not even be appropriate to say, but yet the blood speaks and the blood washes it away. Father, we thank you for the body of the Lord that he became poor that we might be rich. And Father, we want to be rich primarily so we can further your kingdom. We don't love money. And we don't want to be rich for self-consumption. But we thank you for that money is neutral, and it is an amplifier of the Jesus in us. So we thank you, Father God, that with your provision, we can build your kingdom. And I would pray for those that are watching with a good heart that say, I would like to be able to give a million away in my lifetime. I pray, Father God, that you bless them to be able to do that. And I thank you that they don't have to wait till they have a million. They can start where they're at now. They can start tithing and start giving where they're at now. And you will accelerate things quickly. Father, we give you praise. We receive the Lord's body. And we thank you that he bore poverty for us so we might be rich. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's receive together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for its mighty cleansing power. We thank you. Lord, it's like there are some laundry stains that are really hard to get out. Seems like even bleach can't get them out. But the blood of Jesus can get out any stain. Now, Father, we thank you that we may still have memory. But the memory is just that of burnt up ashes of something that has now been burnt up just like the whole burnt offering in the Old Testament. The whole animal was burned. Nothing left but ashes. We thank you for the complete removal of our sins, that we are clean through the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your safety and protection and your blessing. Father, we thank you that we are aware that when we walk in the hundredfold blessing, Jesus said that there would be persecution. And Father, we are also aware that some of that even comes from Christians 
who perhaps have been mistaught or don't know any better. But we do thank you that we receive the 100-fold return, and we're more concerned about what you think and receiving what you want to give us than we are about offending uh, those that are walking in, uh, perhaps in the body of Christ, but with the light turned out. Father, we thank you. We forgive them. We forgive the things they would say. And our, oh God, our minds are on pleasing you. Our minds are upon your word. Thank you, Father. We receive the blood of Jesus. And we bless those, anybody that sinned against us, we forgive them and bless them. And we thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus and your protection and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you about one of our products today. We have Manifesting the Blessings of God. Uh, this book, I wrote this book to end your window shopping. Looking through the window, seeing something on the other side, but not being able to complete the process of going in and making a purchase and walking out with it. So this is why I wrote the book, so that your faith can work for you to receive the blessing that God has for you. There have been some things that I believed God for, and when I finally held them, it seemed a little bit surreal. It seemed almost like kind of like ethereal. But it didn't matter if it felt ethereal or mystical. It was real, because <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I didn't need faith then, because now there it is. Praise God. I've got the substance now. Amen. And with faith, in a sense, you already have the substance, but now I've got the full manifestation. Praise God. And you'll have that too. This is available on the bookstore, uh, our online store. Just go to books and you'll see it, Manifesting the Blessings of God. And I want to put up on the screen now how you can give to support this ministry as these messages are feeding your faith. They're blessing you spiritually. Here are some of the ways to give. You'll see text by phone. Also, if you want to go online and make an offering, you can do so. And if you want to mail in an offering, you can do that as well. That information is on the screen right now. Let me also remind you one more time of the Best of Israel tour, May 7 through the 17th. I want to see you on the glory bus. That's what we call it as we drive around Israel, the glory bus. Amen. And you'll see, you'll see the, how can we say, the famous sights but you'll also see some things that are a little more off the beaten path. And the reason that we're able to do that is because we don't have 2,000 people with us. We've got one bus. So we have flexibility to do some things that the big groups can't always do. Well, we're nimble and quick. Woo, praise God. So I would love to see you in Israel with me and my wife. It's going to be tremendous, praise God. So get signed up. Uh, go to the website on stephenbrooks.org, that first slider that has the Israel promo. Just click on it. Click on it, and it will take you right to the link, or just call the number 1-800-929-4684. Again, 800-929-4684. Option two, praise God. I've said it so many times, I've got it memorized. Praise God. Amen. And by the way, this is the elite tour company that we work with. This is the same tour company that other uh, renowned ministers use when they want to schedule the best 
tour possible. This is them. We've got them. And um, Kelly and I are, are friends with the president of the company, and it is first class all the way. You will be very well taken care of. Okay, so thank you for signing up. Look forward to seeing you on the Israel tour. And also, as always, I look forward to seeing you back here again real soon. Have a great rest of your week, and I'm praying for you. Bye-bye.